What are you doing? What are you even doing? Stealing dreams? Living glam, living rough, living with Jonathan and Katie. Welcome to Living with, with Jonathan, Jonathan and Katie. I almost harmonized, but I didn't. Anyways. Um, nope, you, you didn't. It's okay. um, how have you been, Katie? I have been great. I moved into a mansion. Which is where we're sitting right now recording yes. this podcast in Katie French's new mansion. As we know, the aesthetic is Gay Palm Springs. Wonderful. It's really an oasis. There's trees. There's foliage. It's the perfect apartment to overdose in. Oh, my, completely. So amazing. Oh, I, I have a robe. I have an overdose robe. It's satin. Oh, yeah. Can for I pills. christen it with my overdose? <laughs> my overdose bile? Yeah, I'll overdose and then you overdose. Yeah. Um, I'll overdose on poppers. What are you overdose on? Essential oils? Carbs, honey. Oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> God. Um, but yeah, I am living. I feel that I have um, achieved peak white womanness. Yeah. I've been DIYing. I told myself in my 30s I would never DIY again and then yeah. cut to me like crying at 3 a.m. trying to like make tassels. That's, um, it's beautiful. You've done a beautiful job. I wish this wasn't a podcast. I wish we could show everyone. Yeah, show but everybody. But you want to know why? None of you guys watched our web series, and so we had no financial incentive to continue it, and we had to turn to a podcast. And our Israeli backers dropped out. Absolutely. So. <laughs> so the moral of the story is all of you guys are complicit. Yeah, you're all complicit in our failure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I have the new apartment. It's getting more and more cute, and I just am like could not be happier. Part of me is like, I just feel like abandoning my life and just staying in this apartment. Honestly, it's so, it's just beautiful. Like I, I was going to suggest that we like maybe go out for a jaunt and mm-hmm. then um, I was like, fuck no, this is just amazing. It's How just so much leave? space. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. There's, there's a floor here. There's a pink couch. Um, I just ordered a Dalmatian fur and covered a bench in it. It's it's gorgeous. It's chic. You there's wouldn't a think lamp it. here. I've learned that um, Dalmatian print is actually, it's a neutral print. Yeah. So it kind of goes with everything. And also, I really huh. will tell people that it's um, made of puppies. Because <laughs> oh, that is my Cruella de Vil <laughs> essence. Um, God, that bench. I'm sorry, guys. You can't see it. But this bench looks great even in the living room. It's just a, an evil white lady's Dalmatian bench. That's yeah, what it looks like. Don't worry like. about it. It's, um, well, you should worry. <laughs> um, I am uh, I'm, I'm in a bulking journey right now as I've talked your head off. But I'm going to talk it off again. As we, yeah, we're nearing the end of the year. Yes. And you have decided to bulk through I've decided to become Christmas. big. I want to be like strong man big. I want to lift heavy. And I just started doing that. What made you want to be that? Well, about a year ago, I wanted to be that. And it was working in the summer. But then I got an anal injury. And then I had to stop. And then I became depressed. And then I became happy again because I was in a relationship. And so then it just kind of derailed. Now I'm in a point of... Um, Can't wait for that part of your biopic. <laughs> it's, that's called the montage. Yes. <laughs> um, and so now I'm in a point where it's like, okay, I'm ready to get my health back on, but I don't want to be skinny because you remember me when I was skinny. I was deathly ill. We said you were AIDS skinny. Uh, yes. And you did um, look gorgeous. I mean, I'm just saying you looked. For it, an AIDS victim, my skin was it looked flawless. <laughs> but I also don't think it's natural for me to be that thin. Mm-hmm. And part of me being that thin was too. Um, was due to, um, of course, like bike riding and delivering everywhere and being super poor, but also being on prep because it would make me sick and like lose appetite. Oh. So yeah. Can, a, can straight ladies take prep? <laughs> no. <laughs> if you want liver and kidney damage. Yeah. Um, too late, honey. <laughs> they, uh, 
they we need to create a segment called Samantha's Corner in yes. which Samantha I will suddenly start Samantha Jonesing from Sex in the City. It's a verb now. It is. Yeah. Um so now I just want to be able to eat cuz I love eating and I want to be a thick dude and I want to have like big arms and big tits and big like thighs and everything but healthy strong muscular but not too muscular i still want some fat over the muscle i think you guys know what body type i'm um i'm referring to I can but t- I'm, yeah. I'm i'm getting titted right now which is it's just the part of your bulking and lifting journey where your breasts your male breasts are now starting to develop into pecs but it's in the middle so it's like pecs covered in fat so they kind of look like like rock hard tits yeah so that's me i'm titted right now I'm, and I'm, I'm living for the tit i'm horny because of it yeah my only feeling I, uh, you've been spending me a lot of inspiration photos yes. for your bulking journey and I totally respect those. However, if you start becoming an Instagram titted man, if you start a gay Instagram account, we cannot be friends anymore. Okay. But Katie, if in two, if in a year or two from now, because this will be a fitness journey in which yes. if I ever reach the point that those pictures I sent you, when mm. I reach that point, it will be at the very latest a year from now. It's going to take a long time to get to that point. Yeah. You're right. But if my career is going as bad as it's still going now, would you hate me if I became an Instagram gay to get money? Like, what if I just posted sexy pictures of me in jeans and I'm like super muscular and I get paid, you know, like $1,600 a month for that? So long as there's a yacht based like, or a yacht or a daddy involved. Yeah. As long as I can wear like a caftan on a yacht. Yeah. Then I would love that. Well, if you guys don't want to see me being Instagram gay <laughs> and be insufferable, then I guess you have no choice but to hire me in, yeah. in comedy. And so please save our friendship yes. by making us successful in comedy. Yeah, it's such a nightmare. Um, but we do have our first guest. We do have our first guest. Very exciting. Um, we talk about some things that make me deeply uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but I think I did well. You did very well. Yeah. You were only just a little bit judgmental. No, yeah. not at all. <laughs> but we will, we're talking today to Steve Hernandez, who has had quite a journey. Yes. He went from being a evangelical pastor to a polyamorous queer comedian. Yeah. He is someone lifetime. who we've known for, he's one of the oldest friends of mine in comedy. Um, I've known him since I was like 18 and started comedy. And he is someone who's like always been supportive of me doing comedy, being gay. He himself just came out as queer. Um, you know, I hope he forgives me because like years ago when I was like 20, I told him like, I, I almost hooked up with a guy who looked like you, but I didn't because he looked too much like you. And he took that as such a slight. And he, to this day, will still mention it at shows in front of people. But Steve is very cute, very funny. Yeah, so enjoy uh, our interview with Steve Hernandez. You guys know I'm out there dating and have a good old time. Uh, my later years, I'm getting into Latinas. But previously, I've been into white women. Nothing fancy. Uh, <laughs> Not like some of you white women in here. Oh, put me on TV. Get the fuck out of here with your tan skin. Nah. I like my white women. Pasty? A little freckly, huh? She looks like she knows her way around the New Testament a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? Translucent nipples. SPF 100. Her dad's the president of something. Not too pretty in the face either. That's where a lot of guys go wrong, huh? I like the kind of girls with beauty that doesn't fade, okay? I like my women. Handsome. Do you know what I mean when I say handsome, huh? Oh, I'm gonna tell you. I like them so handsome when they do this with their bangs, I know what their brother looks like. That's handsome, okay? 
like, Timmy, what the fuck are you doing here? Oh shit, it's Melissa and it's morning time. That's handsome, all right? Welcome, Steve. Uh, you know, it's funny. I guess I've come out as queer as just by calling myself, but I've been talking about having sex with guys for years now, right? I don't want to sell out that part of me, and I really don't want to sell out being Latino either. So I've been very hesitant. La, la, Latino. La, 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 Latino. Because I, I just, you know, this fuck, this fucking industry wants to, like, grab onto anything and just sell it to someone. And I just feel bad about all of that stuff. But, yeah, I have been calling myself queer lately. Which uh, comes in handy on like Twitter fights. When I, that tweet I was talking about, I, I met recently we talked about a little bulldog lesbian Latina, and then uh, she, in her Yelp review, I posted this thing. She wrote a Yelp review about me, and she says two times in the thing, "butt hurt." She said the the stupid bartender was butt hurt. But people started responding, and John Levenstein, who's a very funny comedy writer, wrote back like, "Steve, were you really butt hurt, or how butt hurt were you?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, I was like, I wasn't as butt hurt as right after my divorce, but John, seriously, still butt hurt." <laughs> and we we're saying that and then some white person I don't know if it was a man or Me. a woman or someone <laughs> on Twitter said like um, do you guys know that butt hurt is a derogatory thing towards like a gay man I was like yeah read the review she's this lesbian woman said it it's not we're just joking about that and then he goes or I believe it's the guy and then he goes and little Latina lesbian bulldog don't you think that's a bit harsh and this is when I cashed in everything I was like listen man I'm a queer Latinx guy. Why don't you save your lectures for your white friends? <laughs> yeah, oh, smooth. Well, let's go back to the beginning for yes. you. Um, you were an evangelical pastor. Yeah. Tell us how you got to that point. How uh, did you become a pastor? I just grew what was your up. Path? Uh, I grew up in this church, mm-hmm. uh, Faith Community Church in West Covina. Uh, I, my family, I was born and we lived in like Lincoln Heights, L.A., Eagle, Eagle Rock area, Highland Park. And then we moved to West Covina when I was five. So I went to kindergarten in West Covina. Um, and then a neighbor woman, I think when I was six or seven, started like taking us to vacation Bible school, me and my little brother. And that's a trip. That's a fun vacation. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, you, know, you make shit. Sure, you know, I crafting. puppet shows yeah. and stuff. So what exactly why places have VBS, we got, the whole family got looped in. That's why churches have VBS. Mm, child care. It's child care, but then they try to trick the whole family into coming. And yeah. that's, it worked. Wow. Um, and so we went to that church. It was faith community then. I, I would wager that it was like maybe 500, 600 people at the time. And then I grew up in that church. And that church at the when I left was at about 13, 14,000 people. That's so crazy. And did that mean growing up, did that mean every single Sunday? Like what did, what did every it mean si- to grow well, up as in soon that as, church? Uh, it w- we'd go to church. They would have two services growing up as a kid and like a Sunday school type of thing. So we would have to, I think we would go to the main service or we just went to two different child things or whatever. Um, but then in middle school, that's when like everything really starts to take over. It becomes co-ed. There's tons of babes. You go to youth group, you start going to summer camps, they start doing activities. And, uh, yeah, like I wouldn't have, I don't even think I would have ever gone to the beach as a junior higher or a high schooler if I wasn't in youth group because my family just didn't do that. They were just getting by and like, you know, my dad was uh, abusive and angry and an alcoholic and he got better like when I was like 13 or 14, but he was just a dry drunk at that point. So mm-hmm. it was just still like home life was bad, but this thing was always good and fun. And so, yeah, we'd go to youth group on Wednesdays. Uh, I was in leadership at that point. So um, like uh, there'd be Sunday, we would go to uh, church at nine, youth group at 11, then have some kind of meeting, then an activity at seven, like everything. It was so, an all day thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. it was a blast. I loved it. And yeah. I, I like still am very grateful to the church. 
that church specifically for making me fall into like fall in love with uh like writing and the word of god and everything mm-hmm. and thinking because mm-hmm. we are always dissect dis- uh deciphering all these verses and everything so mm-hmm. Basically, the same place I used to write jokes now is the same place I used to get sermons and think about that. You're always thinking about theories and philosophies and trying to back up those points with the Bible and everything. But uh, when I graduated high school, I, I kind of dicked around for like a year. I was going to go to the army. Uh, I, I tried to join and then I was a lot less fat, too. And I was like pretty good shape, too, because I was the wrestling captain. So I went to the army. I went to go get sworn in. I went to the Bonaventure Hotel. What? Like, yeah, that's what they do. That's where they do it. They are like, oh, yeah, we'll take you to the Bonaventure. So I like, so you go to the wine Bonaventure. And dine. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that was where my senior prom was. No big deal. So I went to the Bonaventure. I slept there. We will get up early. You get shots and you fucking go to get sworn in into the army. But I was like, they said I was too fat. They said I was like five or 10 pounds wow. too overweight. Or the fat percentage was not enough. Wow. So 10 pounds saved your life, first of all. I mean, it would have been a completely That's different life. Cr- so I didn't get go to the army. And then they're like, all right, we'll come back a couple months. You'll lose this five pounds or whatever. But by the in that time, I went to help. Like We would go to the, the Navajo Indian Reservation to run a VBS. And so I went with them to there. And then they decided, like the leaders of the youth ministry, like we're going to start an internship program. And so they took me to Chicago, me and another uh, woman named Corey, and we became the first interns. And after that first year of the internship, the junior high pastor left. He became the full-time worship pastor. And then I, so I became a junior high pastor under my boss at like 18, at 19 years old, 20 years old. And then the next year, high school pastor left. And then the next year, the guy who ran the whole thing left. So I ran the whole thing. Did they absolutely love you? Uh, yeah, I did. Um, you know, and it's important, too, to remember that um, this stuff, too, whenever I talk about being pastor, a big part of it is uh, having, like, adult volunteer staff. So, like, over the whole student ministries thing, that's college, high school, and junior high, we probably had 50 adult uh, volunteer staff. It was, like, really fun. They were mostly, like, my friends are, like, pretty close to my age or whatever. There was a couple of older people. I feel so bad for these older people now. Like, they were, like, sweet Christian people because we would do crazy shit. Like, I would bring a fish and, like, answer a question, a raw fish, and then we would pitch it to somebody, and the kid would, like, hit it with a bat. What? Uh, and yeah. the fish would fly apart? Uh, yeah, it would just be funny and tell all these stories, and then uh, I would, you know, try to save their souls at the end of it. Do you yeah. think being a pastor did prepare you for stand-up? I, dude, I would come up with a, like, um, I would usually come up with, like, a four-week series and then take a week or two off, but I would talk to... 150 kids, 200 kids every Sunday for like 45 minutes. Wow. So you're doing an, basically an hour, almost an hour a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of funny stories, some Bible reading, preaching. Yeah. But I mean, if anything, that's like just being on stage in front of people like that has yeah. to do. I don't think they're the same necessarily. I think it's way easier to be, be a pastor because they were stuck there and they were yeah. kids and everything. And they already love your material. You know <laughs> that, so you're fine. Can I ask, growing up in that church, what were you taught about sex? Uh, just the premarital sex was bad. Masturbation was bad because you were lusting after someone. Mm-hmm. Did um, you masturbate a lot? Of course, I masturbated as much as as much as anybody. And okay. did you tell your little pastor Mike or whoever who was it? <laughs> no, I didn't have a pastor Mike. Uh, well, who was it? Tell me his I, name. I never really had any. Pa- it was just a given. It's so funny. Tell when, us his name. <laughs> in, in middle school and high school and stuff, uh, you would do prayer requests. You would sit in a little group and do prayer requests. 
and uh, everybody was always you, praying for your dick. No, you're, every, in, master, in middle school, everyone's just like, no one's gonna say I'm praying to masturbate. Right. But it's like everyone knows, like this is my struggle. Like <laughs> a 14 year old, you would even talk like that too. Like that's my big sin. That's the thing is that I'm jacking off thinking about girls. And uh, but they would, yeah, they would have this thing called an un, unspoken, like something personal you didn't want to talk about. You'd be like, I haven't unspoken. And uh, everybody always knew, oh, this kid's jacking off too much. <laughs> I found out because I grew up in Orange County with evangelicals, and um, there was like a cool boy in school, and he would always like hug all the girls, and then he kind of iced me, and he was like a really popular fun boy, yeah. and I felt so rejected by him. We're like, oh my god, he like hates me, and then I found out later that he told his little fellowship group that um, I really made him struggle. <gasps> <laughs> How did you find that out? Another person told me this is like decade a decade later, and I was like, "This is the best thing I've ever heard oh in my, my life." God. I wore a lot of volleyball shorts at the time. Oh, it was yeah. A, oh yeah, and that big uh, ass, that, that big, big <laughs> wide ass. Praise God, the, yeah. strug- the struggle is the real. Struggle. <laughs> no, I loved it in Christian school when guys would get pantsed and yeah. then they would grab the boxers by accident, and so they'd be on the foot <laughs> on the like field or the track or whatever, and they get pants and they're like dingling, was wrangling out, we and everyone's like. <laughs> about that in, uh, on the male gaze this week it was so funny that panting was a thing oh yeah, yeah. so, so popular crazy right like thing if a, like someone an adult did that to an yeah. adult like what the fuck are you doing yeah like, it's yeah. assault a, um sec now i and sex was always something to me where i was like i never i just didn't buy into it i like never did i would preach to like my friends it's so funny i remember in high school like being a sophomore or something time my friends and like the wrestling team like dude you can't be having premarital sex can't be having premarital sex and the instant the first opportunity i had to have sex i was fucking knuckles deep into that shit. Yeah. <laughs> the first t- i mean it's like laugh out loud funny like i was like yeah of course I'm <laughs> so um i never really felt bad i mean there's time i just never felt bad about it because i thought if you love the person like God is love, it's like not a big deal. Right. God is sex. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just was, I just, I just would not accept the guilt that came with that. So you were that you actually always had that shield. You weren't ever bothered. Yeah. I, I'm guilt. very fortunate that for whatever reason, I don't have any Christian guilt or Catholic guilt. I think guilt. And, and I'd heard from like Christian teachers too. And I do believe this to this day that guilt is just like, it's a useless emotion and it's also very prideful too because mm-hmm. it, it means that within the Christian context, it means that you don't believe Jesus really died for your sins, that his blood really didn't forgive you or cover your sins. Oh, interesting. And so even now in my life, I do my, I really don't feel guilty about things. I either change them or accept them for what they are. There are instances, of course, where I'm like, sheesh, sometimes I think about them. There's some things I think about every day where I'm like, I really hate that I did that and I hate myself for that. But it's also, I think of those things as like, uh, talismans where I hold on to them to remember don't be that way mm, again so yeah. but to me I don't think that's guilt that's just I hold on to them to remember that what a piece of shit I can be and not to be that way yeah now during your early life around this time did you realize your attraction to men or did that come later um no I I always it would like um you know I'd be like masturbating or something and then I would uh think of myself maybe as the, in the woman position sometimes mm-hmm. Or I, I, I don't think I could ever like really envision like f- fucking guys or anything right. like that. Um, and you were taught, I'm assuming, that homosexuality is an abomination. Yes. And I, I don't think when, you know, when I think about it, I don't really understand when I started doing it. If I like what I thought about it, like when I, when I started making those calls and stuff mm-hmm. and wanted to hook up, I think I wanted to just see if I was gay or. At what age was that again? When you started know, making 22, those? 23, something like that. Yeah. Um, like I. 
I just wanted to see if I was gay or whatever. And right. I, so I remember I would probably be drunk. I, I think most of the time I was drunk. Um, and then I would just hook up with these guys like randomly. They would come to my house or I'd go to their house or something. And I always found, found it like sexually charged and I like liked it. But um, that's why still even right now, I, I don't understand like how queer I am or the idea of romant, being a romantic with a man. Like I'm, I'm open to that, but I haven't really experienced that yet. Yeah. And so even that's why I would hesitate to call myself bi. Right. Um, that's why I, I like queer as a coverall. It just means I, I don't really have any rules and I don't like play by any else. And you don't ever, ever need to quantify it. You just yeah, do I know what that's you what, do. I know that's what, what a lot, what some people say, but I don't like these fucking uh, people who try to say they're bi and they haven't even hooked up with anybody. <laughs> I know, yeah. Yeah, well, I just, uh, that's what I mean is that I know I don't technically have it to quantify it, but for myself, I am just confused or I feel like the jury is out about that stuff. But uh, like I said, I'm open to everything, so I don't right. give a fuck. Yeah. But you've sucked dick. Yeah, I right. like it. Yeah. Uh, it's so funny, though, too. So that, you're not those people. Yeah, I would like to suck dick of someone that. Like deserved it and genuine, <laughs> well, and genuinely, like I like them too. It is so funny when we ever find, them. yeah, yeah. Well, well, it just is so funny too because I women say stuff like this, or but I like I've had the experience too where it's like I don't. What's this guy like? What are you doing? Just shut up. Let me suck your dick. I want to suck your dick. You're just gonna ruin it if you say something. So women say stuff like that, and I could totally like like yeah, just shut the fuck up, man. Yeah, what are you do it. Uh, yeah. So I and. Uh, I guess I'd thought of that as a sin too, but just kind of because the Bible said so. Right. And like, it was kind of under the umbrella of just like sex. I didn't stuff. think of it as sex. Okay. I thought of homosexuality as like a different kind of sin, I think. And um, a hobby. it always bummed me out too for them because it was like, well, you know, it's, it's a real bummer. I thought like the only alternative was them to be like a monk or something or like, I was like, well, yeah, that's a real fucking bummer that, that they have this thing. Oh, that yeah, they're castle on a cliff. Yeah. Just a bunch of men. <laughs> just wear a robe. Just like, wear a robe. Let your... sad, but they, if they, they will burn. You know, that's <laughs> what I thought. <laughs> Let your meats just jingle jingle. Yeah, I think for me, I, I just never wanted to, you know, I'm just now saying queer and stuff. and They the, will burn. <laughs> yeah, the, I, I think now I'm just saying that because, because I do just, I think... I do think gender, you know, I have the, uh, my other podcast, The Male Gaze, and both of you have been guests on, but I do think gender and most of this stuff is just bullshit. It's just people trying to categorize everything. Yeah. And so I say all of this stuff just to say, like, I want these people in Covina and regular people to know, like, whenever you're saying or if you're talking shit, you know me, you know I'm cool as fuck, and you know I can fuck. So <laughs> even these guys that, you know, I work in Covina. This is like middle America, basically, where guys will still... Like call each other gay or fag or yeah. something like that. Not in a mean way, just in a way where they're like, what do you mean? Fag just means stupid, you know? <laughs> right, right, but they right. don't mean anything. Like, they're not hateful. Right. But I want them to know I'm that way too. Right. So whatever way you think of it, it's probably a little more complicated than you think. Got yeah. it. So you, at this point, you're about in your early 20s. Mm -hmm. You've already had experiences with men. Yeah. And how do you end up, uh, and at the time you are a pastor. Uh, there was, I think, times near the end where it kind of blurred over, like where mm -hmm. like the first couple of times I fucked a guy was I was probably still a minister. Yeah. OK. But I was like kind of checked out. I was like spiraling because I was drinking and I was, I think, at that time having sex with guys. And I just I couldn't drink anywhere. Were you having I, sex with women, too? Yeah. yeah okay. I would have sex with my girlfriend at the time. And then. 
um, I, I'm, it's it all gets kind of blurred yeah. near the end. So I'm because I'm thinking of one particular girl, but I don't think I ever really crossed over between those two. Don't get me wrong, I would have. It's not like I had any yeah. like thing about that. But I just was like, this is too much. I was at a mega church, man. Mega churches are fucking businesses, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't even know if that's wrong or. I mean, I think it's wrong. It, I don't think Christ would approve at all. Yeah. But I was like having a, a crisis of faith because I knew there were so many things. That I was sinning for one, but also there were so many things that were fucked up in this institution. Mm-hmm. I knew how much money we were bringing in. I knew our senior pastor didn't really talk to anyone. He just spoke on Sunday and that the executive pastor, his brother, was like a real pastor. So like this other guy was a piece of shit, made a ton of money. Um, and that I, I mean, I grew up in that church and I talked to him maybe and I worked there. And I've talked to him maybe eight minutes, something mm-hmm. like that. Wow. So I know there was like really fucked up stuff in terms of God and that God would not have me to be in charge there. So that last bit, I, I think I was kind of like probably falling apart somewhat. So, so this is what was the root of you kind of um, leaving this position and kind of leaving this world. Behind. Yes, uh, I did. I, I quit and I was very good at it. So my pastor, the executive pastor was like, we don't think you should quit. You're very good at this, but we do think you definitely should take time off. And I just told him I was having sex with my girlfriend and drinking sometimes. And that was your like easy pass out, basically? Yeah, I told him. I, I mean, and those things were a big deal to right, them right. either. And then uh, they were like, all right, well, we, you should get out, but you need to go like rehabilitate somewhere or something. Do you want to stay here or do you want to like go somewhere? And I was like, I guess I'll go somewhere. And so I went to like help at an orphanage in Ecuador for like, I was supposed to be there three months. What? But I was only there for like six weeks. They sent you there basically to like be like, all right. I was just, they, it was, there's no You're program. I was yeah. just like helping out at this orphanage. But I, I just went home early too because I was like, I, I want to quit. And also at that time I was kind of like starting to date or talk to a girl. And yeah. they told me you can't have any contact with any women. And I was like talking. So when I went back, they were like mad that I went back early. And they were like, have you been talking to any woman? I was like, yeah, I was still talking to this girl. And they were like, I guess you really do want to quit. How did they um, like make the PR announcement? Like, well, this did is, people know this that This is something were... that's very fucked up about okay. this, too, because the Bible says that when someone's sinning, they should have to, like, get up. And you got to kick them out of the church. And then they should get up and, like, explain what they did. Mm-hmm. They didn't let, let that happen. Mm-hmm. They just told everyone that I decided to go back to college. <laughs> So, and this is what's so fucked up about all this, is you don't understand, I mean, as charismatic or whatever as you think I am now, I was probably 10 times more charismatic because I had the idea of Christ behind me. (laughs) (laughs) So I was a zealot, so I was on fire, way funny, all this stuff, and I was leading this group of 50 adult pastors and my college class. So all these adults, and I had plans, and we had goals, we were saving hundreds of kids all the time, we had all this stuff going, I'm telling you, like, so much like different like events and programs and everything working and to just yank me out of there and to tell them oh yeah he just decided to go back to college like a lot of those people hated me because of that and uh which easily uh, you know a 22 or a 23 year old going like oh yeah i'm gonna stop doing this because i'm i started to drink and i'm having sex with my girlfriend would make especially it would make sense to them five years later Mm -hmm. where they're like oh that was fucked up like he he was a good guy that was fucked up. They like kicked him out because of that thing. They would think that instead of them saying like, why would this guy who we put faith in and loved and everything every week tell us all these stories and everything. And he's just gone. Like that was pretty fucked up of him to do, which the Bible says you, you shouldn't do that. So, I mean, that was a, that to me out of all everything, I, and I'm not mad at them. I think they're, they're bad people in their own way. And 
I think the business of it is is very bad and evil, and, and God is nowhere in that. Um, but that was the only thing where I'm like, dude, that was really fucked. That up. was the they, most they painful be, thing. They should be ashamed of themselves mm. now about that thing. Yeah. And everything else, I don't give a fuck. Whatever. If you want to be rich and live in Newport Beach and then just like come into West Covina to preach and then leave again, yeah, I don't care about that stuff. I'm not here to judge you with that stuff, but. That was like a that's a real direct sin and that was a really fucked up thing to do to me and to those people. So how did polyamory come into your life after you left the church? Um I had a girlfriend uh who became uh my ex, my my wife. But um you know, I used to tell a story about this, but she had done, you know, pretty early in our dating life, she told me that she had um done a ton of different sex things including all kinds of threesomes and everything like that. And um she uh and that like infuriated me you know as a mexican man i thought you know how could you do this to me before you met me <laughs> um you know and i was pissed but then uh, after a while which she thought she was bi at the time still i don't think she really is and she would probably not say she is either but i thought then at the time well i guess you know if she likes this stuff then i i guess we should just have like threesomes or something but very quickly like i the idea of like trying to get someone to do a threesome with you is like awful like trying to get anyone to do anything and I just felt like a creep so we I don't know what we did but maybe after about a year we got into swinging and so we were swingers for a while we did that for about a year and how does that like what's the process I don't understand the swinging like you just go to a website what, how does well it go? now yeah they have websites yeah. and stuff at this time and then they kind of did then too we yeah. just didn't know about them um but I think one we went to was called Lifestyle Lounge. I'm sure there's other ones now. That was so long ago now. But, um, yeah, you go to these things, and it's like a dating website, but with couples. Mm -hmm. But mostly we would go to – there's mansion parties, and there's uh, – there's Ooh, a, it's very, like, eyes wide shut. I mean, it, it is like that. I mean, the first one we went to was uh, crazy. You pay, like, 75 bucks – um, for now a that's couple. a business. That's I mean, great. it is definitely a business. I mean, actually, I should start running these things because it would be huge. Um, and a lot of them happen out in like uh, Riverside area, like that kind of stuff. It, it's it, swinging is a very like an um, army based thing. It's very conservative in its own way. Um, yeah, it, it started in like the 40s with like pilots and stuff like that, where they're like they became like brothers. So they were like, it, it doesn't matter. You're my brother. Of course you can have my wife. Or like people would go away. So they were just so tightly knit that it made sense. Like, yeah, of course you could sleep with my wife. We love each other. It's fine like that. Uh, the swing community is very like, it's very like pretty hetero. Like a women can be bi. That's almost like a given that the women mm -hmm. have sex with each other. But it's very like guys can't do that with mm -hmm. each other. The first one we went to was at some house in Riverside. You like go and you check in. They verify that there's a man and a woman. That's a big thing too. Usually you don't want to go to ones when single guys are allowed normally because it's just disgusting. <laughs> uh, but and we learned that we went to one of those. It was disgusting. <laughs> But we went to this one, and uh, this is like, a, they like trammed you up. There's like a guy with a big suburban or something. Uh, they trammed you up to like this big mansion or whatever. You check in. They had like the living room area and everything like set up like a club. And you usually bring your own liquor. You give it to a bartender. They put your name on it. Like if you bring a bottle of Jameson, Hernandez. Hey, can I get a Jameson? It's in the Hernandez bottle. They bring it. It's like a club. Wow. Yeah. wow. It's set up. And there's, you know, 
200 people there, 100 people there. Are people in, like, in my mind, everyone's in, like, tuxes and ball gowns? Uh, no, I mean, it's like a club. <laughs> and, like, a masquerade mask. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's more lingerie, right? Like, women in lingerie? Th- that could be a thing, yeah. but it also is, like, women just in little dresses and oh, stuff cute. like that. And guys cool. in button-up shirts or whatever. Straightest <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. thing ever. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> a lot of black button-ups. Yeah. So this first one, we were, like, the first time we were, like, we, don't, we probably don't want to have sex with anybody. We just, you know, we'll go to watch or we'll go to have sex. First one, we went to this like little like room, and there was like some mattresses on the floor and stuff. And so there was like three or four couples, kind of like just, but this is like still kind of in the open, and like they're kind of like messing around and doing stuff. Of course, you can watch, and you're just like watching, like it's cool. But uh, we went to this one room, and there was like three beds across one one side of the room, and then like three beds across the other side of the room. Are they twins? Uh, They were they were small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These aren't like these aren't queens or anything. Uh, but like in the corner, the two couples were fucking over there. Yeah. And then at some point, Mia and my ex, uh, we we started to like fool around. And this was like the coolest thing ever. You know, I was like fucking her doggy style. And across from us, another bed, a woman was getting fucked doggy style. And me and her just looking each other in the eyes, which is like the sickest thing in the world. <laughs> yeah. which is so it's like, you know, being on drugs. I mean, I can't the first time. I mean, most of the times when you're doing this stuff, you're it's such a sense Sensory overload that it's yeah. like you're on drugs. Mm. And, of course, we would be drinking, too, so it all compounds. But, you know, there's a club called Freedom Acres that uh, is famous. <laughs> that was, yeah. It sounds like a retirement home. That's like fam- It's been around forever, but that one's famous. It's still there. 75 bucks. It's a huge, different, huge, like, playroom and stuff like that. But swinging, I found, for some reason, through swinging, I found the idea of polyamory because I wasn't – it was fine. It was fun. But some of these people would be like, I wouldn't have a cup of coffee with them. So, you know, you can only fuck people for so long where I'm like, well, I don't really like these people that much. I think I, I would like and that you know, being a swing, like just allows you for the idea of a compersion and polyamory. That's I'm being I'm glad that my girlfriend is getting fucked by this. Guy. I'm glad that she's bringing pleasure and she's having that. That's like a very polyamorous idea where you're like. Oh, I'm I'm happy that she's receiving pleasure, even though it's not for me. And so it opened my idea to where I'm like, well, I'm not really jealous. I like that she's having fun, and and but I also think that I could just like people outside of my all my relationships up until that point. I would be very off and on with them, so I'm strong for like six, eight months, and I would break up with them, hook up with somebody, and then get back with them. I mean, and I think a lot of people do that, and they don't understand why they do that, uh, or they just cheat. Um, but I found polyamory through that, and so. Um, my marriage was open, um, and I always considered myself polyamorous, but at the time I was still drinking and, um, like a pretty shitty person, whatever the bad stereotypes of a polyamorous person are, Mm -hmm. I was that guy. But in near the end of the marriage, she did not want to do it anymore. And she couldn't, she, she couldn't communicate that. And it was bothering me that she couldn't communicate that verbally. Um, and, and that's probably comedy. It's probably the main reason we stopped. She tried, but everything that I was, uh, it was against her nature. So we split up. And uh, so I'm with my girl now. And even then, the whole time when we started dating, I didn't think it would become as serious as we were. But I told her, yeah, I think I'm Polly and stuff. But this is nothing, uh, you know, and now I think now is some. Now I'm like really trying to figure out if this is something I want to do, if this is something I really am, because I just don't want to bother anyone. And people hate it. People hate polyamory. And I know you're looking at me. I don't think everybody's this way, but I think a lot more people are this way than they let on. I think like 20% people are like straight, like monogamous right. people. I think a lot of them 
understand this and it makes sense to them, but they have like weird fears or they cheat or they lie and they'd yeah. rather do that than anything else. That's probably true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's what I did. I mean, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> when you, when you and your ex were, uh, doing your thing, did you go on like co-dates with other couples, like actual dates? Um, we did that. We had a couple couples that we did that, but you know, like I said, it was never like, usually one of the members was like, gross you know what i mean like the girl's that's my hot. biggest problem with the community it's yeah. like 20 well, you know, gross. it is they are kind of gross or they're at, they're older at the very least at the time we were, we were very young to be doing it because i think a lot of people get to be like 40 45 they've been married to someone for 10 or 15 years yeah and they're like well you know i don't want to stop having sex because generally that's when things die so they're more open to the idea of swinging where like you know, people, although I the, I think the generation under us, they don't give a shit either. So mm. I think they're probably more open to that kind of stuff. So being poly now, you would, and if anybody doesn't know, like an open marriage is like you can fuck other people. Poly is like you can have relationships with other people, multiple relationships. Yes. Um, do you, like, what's your like dream sitch? My dream situation, and I think I think everybody's dream situation would be if they, they thought about it was would be, I think everybody should or, or mostly everybody wants a partner, has a primary partner. Where they share your life with, we go to family events, they're there all the time and everything. But I think that would be very cool to have like two or three other people that you see like a couple times a year. Um, where it's like, we're going to go out on the date and we'll get a hotel room. And it's like, uh, or even one person where you see once a month or something like that. And they also have a primary so that they're all that's taken care of too. One of the main things I'm concerned with being poly now is, and sober and that's all very per- important because um, I don't, I can't imagine having sex with someone new, sober. Right, that's very or dating crazy. sober yeah. for me, yeah, yeah, for, yeah, especially right. for me. I'm like a lot is, of people, most people. Yeah, I this think. is it, it's going to be crazy if I do this. So it feels yeah. like a big deal. But uh, a big part of me is I don't want to take advantage of anyone. I want someone to understand exactly what I'm offering them, which is a friendship, a real friendship, and that we have sex too, and that. Or even I would like it too, as if even flirty things where if I had met someone on the internet on male gaze, I always talk about an internet crush. But if I met someone and I said, hey, I think you're funny, I'd love to go out with you. And I would love just the idea of, hey, I, just that you know, know that I'm attracted to you and would like to do something or, or would like to kiss you or that kind of thing. And that's my intention. And if you don't feel that way, that's okay. But I just like that. I just I think most monogamous relationships you just shut down in such a way or the the given is that this person owns you and I want to still have my an identity outside of that relationship. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of this stuff is philosophical for me. Yeah. Uh, Cuz I don't I think it's very few and far between the kind of people that actually are set up emotionally for this. I think a lot of people can fuck and stuff but uh that that they won't they'll understand that I have this person that I'm already committed to. And I don't want to take advantage of a lonely person who, because this town sucks. So there's a lot of lonely people would say like, oh yeah, no, I'm totally down, but I know in my heart they're not, that, right. it, that this is going to turn sideways. Yeah. So I think it's a lot rarer than than I, than a lot of people would think it would yeah. be. What does your current girlfriend feel about you being open or poly with someone who's not a woman? Oh, I think uh, I think she would far. That would be like not a big deal at all. Would you think that would be even more preferable? Yeah, yes, honestly, ab- yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I think Julie would much like that. Would be 
to me, she would be like, yeah, of course. Yeah, do your thing. That's I can't give you that. And the funny thing, too, is she's told me that. And it's not like she's gung-ho about it, but she's always known this is how I am. And she knows that I love her dearly and I treasure her and value her and that I would never do anything to put our relationship in jeopardy. And uh, But she was like, I think one of my big concerns is the quality of women you would pick. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, well, listen. I mean, I famously am in love with Lena Dunham, so I, she has a point. I mean, you don't want them to be too great, do you? You want them to be – I already have the perfect package. I don't – I'm not – that's not what I'm looking for anymore. Yeah. So uh, I think she would much rather me hook up with just – have a little boyfriend or something like that. A little boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever been to a – gay sex party or swinger party i'm just curious no i've never been to like a gay bar like cruising but yeah i mean like i wouldn't i'm not like really trying to fuck like that but see also the idea of like being so romantic to a guy seems so foreign to me <laughs> so maybe there's something in between you know what i mean i think as you're picturing open micers right? yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know that's the thing i don't know what I'm picturing. you're I, I mean the, th the whole thing's just so foreign yeah that i'm not gonna be like a guy with a guy i don't really know how it would be with a guy to me, the dreams relationship is like, I'm traditional, so it's like, you meet a man, love him, and then he mysteriously dies, and then you meet the next man, <laughs> and then he mysteriously dies. I mean, that's the thing. I, I'm truly poly, where I, I tweeted, you know, hey, if we were not having kids and we live in LA, we should all date each other for five years. Like, I would love to just... <laughs> I would love to just move on from that. Like, Julia, I would love to be like, this is great. Because I don't ever see it ending. I mean, we're just so happy together and we have so yeah. much fun together. Our families love each other. But I would love to just, like, put this little life aside and let me do a new one for a little while. But uh, that's not really – I don't – yeah, my dream, because I'm so poly at my heart, is I would love to have a second wife. Yeah. And I would love to know her family and meet her family. That that – is the fucking craziest thing you've ever said. No, I love the I love fan, I love Julia's family so much, but to me that is that's the juice. That's the real meat of the thing is. Oh yeah, I would love to meet her family and know that and to do all the things I do with Julia's family. I'd love to have another Thanksgiving and to watch TV with her oh and all that stuff. God. I would love two or three of those things. Ideally, that will ne I don't think that's Do you not possible. have divorced parents that remarried? Um yeah, they do, but that doesn't like I just don't care. I mean, whatever I'm doing I think I'm more queer in the idea, I, the way I think about things, too. I definitely fuck everyone. But in the way I think about things, I'm like, oh, no, that, if in a perfect world, I'd love to have three wives. Multiple families. And they, if they, yeah, I know there are people who have, like, uh, throuples and, like, groups and all that. Yeah. I love that shit. I don't have time for it. I, like, I'm trying to do comedy, too. <laughs> right. If I had time, I would love that thing. I think that when those people do those things, it's because they have time. And it's basically that kind of stuff is their hobby, almost. Yeah. Uh, and I, I've already got a thing that I'm doing, yeah. so. Now, how do you feel about polyamory when it comes to children, having children? Uh, I'm sure it's fine, too. It would, it would be the same thing where it's like, oh, yeah, dad's going to go hang out with his friend. Like, who cares? Right. They don't need to know. Uh, but also, I don't. I don't think I'm gonna have kids. If we do have kids, it would be just like that. Oh, I should get the fuck oh, out of here. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks for having me on. It was a blast. Uh, my podcasts are the Male Gaze. It's a weekly news show. Views from the Vista. That's a movie review show. And Who's Your God with Amy Miller. That's a uh, ethics and religion podcast. You can find me at Big Hern on Twitter, Hernie on Instagram, and of course, come out to Covina to my hit comedy show the comedy chatterbox comedy night that's every sunday in covina at nine o'clock thank you steve. thank you so much steve thank you guys Have we love you too bye. we love you Living